Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello, you're listening in to Brainwaves on 3CR. That's 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au if you're listening online. Today on Brainwaves, we will be talking to Michelle Murray, who is the COO of Bully Zero. Take it away, guys. Um, so welcome, Michelle, to the show. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, thanks, Alana, and thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm currently the COO of Bully Zero Australia Foundation, and I've been actively a member with the foundation for about three years, being a member of the board. And in the last 12 months, I stepped across to actually work full time for the foundation. So my background is I'm a secondary school teacher, which means that um, I'm quite versatile about being in front of school kids, whether it's primary school or secondary school, but then I do a lot of the workplace delivery as well. Um, Could you explain to our listeners what is cyberbullying and how does it differ from regular bullying? So by definition, cyberbullying is anything using a carriage service, so it could be the internet or it could be a mobile phone, and it's to deliberately menace or harass someone else. It's very different to regular bullying because it's constant. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. And often the person on the other end is anonymous. You don't actually know who it is that you're conversing with. And it does have the ability to reach large audiences, which means that not only are you interacting with that one person that's saying terrible things about you, but potentially you could have a lot of people actually following the conversation online. Um, And at what point does this become an offence? It becomes an offence when it's a threat to harm or it's a serious online harassment. So um, it's by definition where someone's mental health is actually affected by it, but also their physical performance as well. So it really is, it's almost physical bullying, but in a mental capacity. Yeah. Um, Who are the most common victims of cyberbullying and who are the most common perpetrators? Well, it's pretty much anyone can be a victim and it's pretty much anyone can be a perpetrator. It's a, it's quite amazing. And considering Facebook has more than 2.2 billion monthly active users, it can be anyone at any time. But we tend to find that it's probably our children that are most vulnerable, particularly young people aged um, in their latter primary school years or when they're at secondary school. And the reason for that is that the adult brain really doesn't develop properly until you're into your 20s. I'm happy to say, girls, we actually develop quicker than boys, but we still don't develop until we're into our 20s, which means that often children can't actually understand or rationalise why certain comments are being made about them and put them aside and say, hey, you know, I know that that's not true and I really don't have to believe that. A bystander is an individual who sees an event occurring and believes that someone else will step in and constantly doesn't act. What role do you think they think bystanders have in cyberbullying and could you tell us about hurtful and helpful bystanders? Well a bystander by definition is someone that stands by and actually watches, you're exactly right, 
we try and put it forward in all of our educational programs that we want people to be upstanders. We actually want them to call out negative behaviour. Now that's okay for some people because they're quite extroverted and will be able to step in and have the confidence to actually say, stop, you're hurting my friend or you're making someone else feel uncomfortable. But in some cases, the helpful bystander can be someone who supports the victim, could also be someone that actually collects evidence but doesn't share it and then uses that to get help from someone else to actually make the situation better. And what do you believe that some of the misconceptions about bullying are? Um, Some of the misconceptions about bullying are that I think because it's online and because it's anonymous, we think, oh, it's just words and it's, it's something that we can turn off and it's something that we don't have to continually read or look at. But for young people, it's really a big deal in their world. They read it over and over again. And I think we think to ourselves that it's sticks and stones won't break my bones, but words really do hurt. And I think we've missed that whole point that words really are making an impact and that we need to make sure that at all times we choose our words very carefully. Yeah, Um, I understand that um, cyberbullying has developed over the last decade, Um, but what do you think the role of social media has played in bullying overall? I think with social media, it's basically given people a rite of passage to say whatever they want or make a comment on anything that they want. And I think for um, a lot of people, that's literally opened the doors when it comes to putting anything that they think, oh, well, that might be quite newsworthy if I make that comment and it might get me some sort of notoriety. So I think social media has certainly opened up for us that avenue to literally say anything about anyone and almost get away with it. Yeah. Um, A lot of social media platforms now have the report button to report any inappropriate content with varying levels of success. What are your thoughts on social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter and YouTube in how they are responding to obvious incidents of cyberbullying? Well, I'm always amazed when I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm old school, so I'm on Facebook, not quite so much on um, Snapchat and Instagram (laughs) and all those other fancy things that the young people are. Um, But I am on Facebook and... I think at one stage I might have seen an ad for dresses and I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that and see whether that's something that I might be interested in. And every single time I go onto Facebook, that ad pops up and it's bombarding me with something else. So I'm a little bit perplexed when I hear Facebook and some of these other big companies say, oh, there's nothing that we can do about incidents of cyberbullying. Well, they can certainly market things pretty well. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure they've got the technology to be able to actually do something and act upon really vicious instances of cyberbullying. Yeah, and they often don't do it when it's a really, you know, big like incident that causes a lot of public outreach. That's the only time that they'll really start acting on it. You know, little instances of bullying which really should be reported and acknowledged and stopped, these big companies aren't doing anything. It's almost like they like the fact that, oh, this is getting us a little bit of extra airtime and we might yeah. just let this go so that hopefully we make a little bit more money because a lot more people are using our platforms. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yes, um, the victim on the other end is the one that's suffering and that the damage is already done. Mm. I wouldn't even know where to go to report something on Facebook. Is there a certain section that you can um, report messages that have been in a chat or anything like that? You can actually apply directly to the provider. So you yeah. can actually reply to Facebook. So long as you keep the evidence, that's a really big key is that you actually screenshot exactly what's yeah. been said about you and make sure that you know um, that what you're sending back is, is actually something that would be seen as negative behaviour. 
But there's also the Office of the eSafety Commissioner, which is our government body, which makes sure that they can then act on your behalf. So if you haven't been able to actually get an answer from someone like Facebook, yeah. they can actually collect the evidence or you, you send them the evidence, they collect it on your behalf and then they have 48 hours to actually try and see if they can make an impact for you and get that message down. Mm. Do you know if like um, there's a if Facebook reply um, like does a lot about bullying if you send in this report or I've heard mixed messages yeah. I, I wouldn't say that they never do anything that yeah. that's probably not true but I haven't heard of many people having a lot of success yeah um, now it could be that they're completely overwhelmed yeah and it could also be that the particular incidences that they're dealing with are on a much larger scale. So yeah. a lot of, you know, the smaller sort of things just don't get dealt with. Yeah. Um, I know that probably the most common thing with all of this is that people are under-resourced. And I would yeah. say that that could be a, a fairly big um, deal for the particularly companies like Facebook. Could be that they're actually inundated with people asking, can you please take this person down and can you make sure that this gets removed? Yeah. yeah. I think it's also a bit of a problem of computers doing it for them. Like um, with YouTube and everything, if somebody marks something as flagged, often it's flagged and then read by a computer instead of read by a person. And so they often miss out on certain things that would should be caught in their filters anyways as something that's either damaging or disrespectful to, you know, um, for example, like the whole suicide recently on YouTube, like stuff like that is just things that should be flagged and read by humans but aren't and it goes through, it misses everything. And once again, it's that emotional connection, isn't it, that causes the effect to actually have an action taken against it and that's mm. that's exactly right. If it's a computer that's saying, oh, there's a red flag and it's it doesn't read into it exactly how devastating that is to the person who's affected by it. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, how did Bullying Zero become established as an organisation and what was the driving factor um, for its orchestration? It actually started in 2012 with a, a group of dedicated individuals who decided to get together and really try and understand why there was such a, a huge amount of young people taking their lives around that time and a lot of them were taking their lives due to cyberbullying and bullying incidences. So they called together the parents, they had representatives from the police force, they had lawyers, teachers, trying to come together and actually say, what is it that's not happening for our young people that's causing such devastating results? And they all came to the same conclusion and that was that they needed to make sure that they put in place some really great preventative programs to try and make sure that we equip our young people with some of the strategies needed to ensure that they don't get to that point of utter desperation. And obviously the, the effects of that are so permanent and so devastating to the family, it's just awful. Mm. Um, that was in 2012 and then officially in 2013, the foundation was launched by the then Prime Minister, Julia Gillard. And from then we've gone on from strength to strength to school programs that are now endorsed by the Office of the eSafety Commissioner and workplace programs that are endorsed by WorkSafe Victoria. Um, so before the break, we were touching on Bully Zero. Um, we understand that the Bully Zero um, runs a prevention programs for schools, workplaces and community groups. Could you just tell us a little bit more about the programs and services that Bully Zero run? 
Yes, so Bully Zero are predominantly in schools and we're a preventative education-based program. And we started because there wasn't anything around five years ago at that time. There weren't programs in schools that talked about the basic behavioural things such as respect for each other, empathy for others and how they might be feeling and the reasons why perhaps a bully actually bullies someone else. And the other thing that we talk about, particularly in our school programs and community programs, is that it needs to be a holistic approach. It needs to be parents, teachers, students, community groups as well. If we don't change the behaviour of everyone involved, it's really hard to change the behaviour of certain individuals. And we always say that people aren't naturally or you aren't born a bully. Bullying is a learned behaviour. It is something that we've acquired somewhere in our environmental development, whether it's the social circles that we move in or whether it's how we've been brought up or the experience that we've been, um, I guess, exposed to. So it's really important that we understand that it's a learned behaviour and if it can be learnt, it can be unlearned. And that's what we hope is that people come away going, oh my goodness, there is actually hope. We can change this culture. We can eventually move towards hopefully a world where bullying doesn't exist anymore. Um, would you say the programs run in um, schools such as high school are very effective? They certainly are, particularly one of our points of difference is that we're able to bring into the actual seminar victims who've lost children to cyberbullying and that really resonates with you know particularly it's quite hard to reach teenagers at times Mm. Uh, it's quite hard to actually get them to shift their heads up from looking at their mobile phones or their uh, computer page and for us to actually stand up in front of them and present the father or the mother of a child who's taken their own life and say to them my child was your age that's really impactful and I think for a lot of them they go oh my goodness it can happen to me or it could happen to my friends and I really need to take this seriously and one of the messages that I know our father one of our fathers actually gives constantly when he's standing up in front of people is the fact that young people don't understand how permanent death is and they don't understand the fact that oh you know I might just have this call for help and I might just try and self-harm but if it doesn't come off, there's no, I'll count to 10 and I'll just suddenly become alive again. This is permanent. Mm. Yeah. I think I remember like being in high school when they first started talking more about cyberbullying instead of just like, you know, your average everyday bullying. And it became a real problem, I think, when I was about like maybe 13 or 14 in high school. And we, there was like the whole bunch of online anonymous um, like question postings that you could do. And it sort of spread around the school of like people asking each other questions and I remember they brought in this one organisation to talk about it and that by the end of the day they had everyone in tears, like so upset about the, all the mean words and everything that we were saying to each other. So that whole approach of, you know, making people understand their actions and showing them like this is what happens and it's permanent, it really does work. Yeah. Because you wouldn't say it to someone's face. No, that's and, the thing. And yet yeah. you think, oh, I can go online and I can write this and I don't have to look at the person mm. in the eyes or see the reaction that they've had. So I can get away with literally anything that I want to say. Yeah. And, yeah, when you actually see someone stand up there and say, this is the impact that this particular conversation had on a person, you go, oh, I actually I've been guilty of doing that myself mm. and you're right it does make you think about the way that you choose your words or what you say to other people and the way that you behave uh, a lot more differently yeah yeah I was gonna say I remember um when we had some police officers come in and they were talking about cyberbullying, and they actually showed us a picture 
of a victim of cyberbullying, Evena showed us the texts and I just remember that hitting really hard because I was just thinking, how could somebody send something like this? But then again, people don't think that they're going like, to lead to a suicide or they're going to lead to a death when they say these things. So I think it's really important to show these kids that what you're saying actually hurts and it really hits an emotional toll on some people. And I think the hardest thing is when someone writes something terrible about us, our natural reaction is we want to write something back. Yeah. And it's almost like we want to we want to be the top dog and we actually want to say something that's really hurtful back. And before we know it, it's escalated out of control and you've got to the point where you actually can't take it back. You can't apologise anymore because too much damage has already been done. And that's one of the things that we always say to young people, we know it's the hardest thing to do. But the reality is the best thing to do is don't respond because as soon as you respond, you're just as bad as the bully and you've just become exactly what you were hoping to shut down. Mm. Um, and it's the same if, if you look at face-to-face. If you react by shouting back at someone or elevating the pitch of whatever it is that they've just done to you, it, it escalates. Yeah. And so part of what we try and teach young people when we're in schools is the fact that if you can possibly react by not letting it look like it's actually affected you, by actually saying, you know what, I'm okay, I can stand on my own two feet, I'm actually not going to get affected by this, it tends to shut the bullying incident down pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so on March 16th, it is the National Day of Action Against Bullying and Violence, and Bully Zero will be celebrating their fifth year. Could you tell us a bit about what the day symbolises and what Bully Zero will be doing? So Bully Zero will be doing an art installation this year. We've actually asked for as many schools and, and adults to complete a pledge form. And it's my pledge against bullying is, and they simply download either the cutout that they can then put a message on and then send back a message to us via social media, or our physical schools around the Essendon district have been participating by actually doing it in their classes. And then we've put together a big wall that's going to be displayed at Essendon Fields with all of the messages. And so far we've collected more than a thousand pledges and we're hoping to have close to 2,000 by the time we finish the day on Friday. And it's about raising awareness and it's about trying to call out negative behaviour and say to kids, these are the sorts of things that I want you to champion for the rest of the year. Hmm. Um, do you have a lot of pledges at the moment or are you thinking that you're going to get like a huge... I'm hoping that we'll get uh, quite a few people dropping in on Friday and just adding their, their few things that they might be able to say. But we've got some amazing celebrities coming in on the day. So George Columbaris is one of our amazing ambassadors. And um, we've also got Esma, who is actually Miss World, coming along as, as well. And then we've got some wonderful other ambassadors that we have that come to a lot of our events. They're going to be there. So if anyone would like to drop into Essendon Fields... Or if they'd like more information, please have a look at our website on bzaf.org.au and you'll be able to download your own little pledge form and send it in to us. Hmm. Um, Just lastly, um, could you just touch on um, if a person or someone they know is experiencing cyberbullying or bullying in general, um, what supports can they access and what would you recommend they actually do? I would say that probably my first point of call would be the Office of the eSafety Commissioner. The website is absolutely fantastic for resources for both parents and students. 
And then, of course, if it's a workplace bullying incident, well, then there's lots of information to look at WorkSafe Victoria or SafeWork, which is Australian-wide as well. But information is key, education is key. There's also lots of information on our website as well. But for, if you really want to pick up the phone and ring someone, you're more than welcome to ring our office as well. We can provide you with general information and we can certainly point you in the right direction. Yeah. Um, do you have the number for your office on handy or we can just plug your website again if people want to find out more information? Uh, our actual number at our office is 9094-3718. And, of course, that's the Melbourne 03 code. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the show today and talking to us about Bully Zero and the work that you guys are doing to combat cyberbullying in Australia. Um, it's been very informative. So thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you, Alana. It's <laughs> thank been fantastic. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, and as always, if you do require any support, please feel free to contact Lifeline on 131114 or Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500 from mon on Monday to Fridays from 9 till 9. So that's all we have time for on Brainwaves. You can find our podcasts on our website, that's brainwaves.org.au, and on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves, and on iTunes. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.